Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Erin Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast, my podcast about immigrants and immigration and everything in between. Thank you for listening and downloading the show, and thank you for supporting my dad. Welcome back, Immigrant Nation. Another week, another new episode. As always, I appreciate your consistent support every week, no matter whenever or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you are new here, welcome. And please, take a deep breath. Chill. And as we delve in another story of an amazing immigrant. But before that, please let me remind you that if you have not officially joined the Immigrant Nation, you can go ahead and click the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. And another way to be part of our community is by visiting and following our social media accounts. Our handle is An Immigrant's Life. There you can see pictures, audio reels, and other cool stuff, I guess. Um, it is also where you can contact me if you or someone you know is interested in appearing as a guest on the podcast. Or you can send an email to animigrantslife at yahoo.com. So let's connect. And let's tell your beautiful story. So that is that. Now, let's talk about this week's episode. Meet our inspiring guest this week who dared to step into the world of floral artistry with no prior experience. Taking a leap of faith, she opened her own boutique, infusing every arrangement with her unique Kurdish touch. Join us as she shares her journey of embracing risk, discovering her passion, and blossoming a vibrant tribute to culture through panels and colors. Beautiful words, but let's not waste more time. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa dalawa tatlo. Today's guest is a floral interior designer. She arranges flowers to beautify spaces, yet they fail short of her own beauty. Everyone, please welcome Berivan Altun. Hi, everyone. My name is Berivan, and I'm the Emerald Brush Flow CDA. Um, I'm a florist and an interior designer, um, but I mainly deep illustrated. Um, I've been in the business for two years now. Um, yeah, I do loads of um, events, I give workshops, um, and I sell my products as well. So if you want to see what I do, please follow me on Instagram at RollageFloralStudio.com. Thank you. I love your pieces. They're all beautiful. We'll talk about it later. But before anything else, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me as well. It's a great opportunity for me to speak about my business and myself, I guess. So thank <laughs> you for everyone who's listening as well. Of course. By the way, I want to call you out because when we were talking, when we started to set up this conversation, you said you were shy. And I dig deep. I tried to like look for receipts, you know? And I see your pictures and they're like, Yo, you're not shy at all. <laughs> to be honest, I, I am like, 
I just find it hard to talk about myself or just talk in general. Like I, I think I overthink in my head, like thinking, what would people think if I say the wrong thing? Or what if I say like, what if I stumble? Or what if I just embarrass myself? So mm. when it comes to talking, yeah, I, I get very like shy and up in my head. And that sort of stops me being expressive. Like I can't really express how I feel, I guess. And then that's just like a blockage for me. But here I am today, so it's a good challenge for me. And I'm, I'm excited and nervous. Ah. <laughs> I'm, I appreciate that, that you're allowing me that. Also, you made that video on your, on your Instagram. That's a beautiful piece. Oh my god! Like that took so long. I was, <laughs> I was just, I was about to give up. So the video was about me just giving a brief information about what I do, and um, it took so long because I just, I, just, I was so nervous, and I, we had to keep on recording. Like I think we did about ten takes or something, and I was just so nervous. And I was like, I don't know how I look, I don't know how I sound, and I don't know how this is gonna come together, but the video before um thanks to only the to the great job uh of like comfort and me and also the overall of video looks great so i'm happy but yeah it, that took so long like it, i know it looks like i'm confident and i'm speaking of myself so well but it was like on the inside i was just dying like, oh, God. <laughs> i know but no one like that <laughs> now i completely understand that i remember when i have to record this short video for the award that i won last year and it was like a minute video dude i was like for a whole night i'm like speaking and speaking and i keep messing it up you know plus there's a time limit like it's a minute you know and my wife's yeah. like on the side she's doing like you're too long. You're not saying it right, or what? <laughs> I was like, dude, stop saying that. I don't even know what to say already. Yeah, I don't I, I feel the pressure. Like I understand it's not an easy thing to like be on camera and do anything to to like just show yourself and just like you to say. But I feel like once you break that, you know, once you sort of um break that fear, I guess you're good to go. Like I see a lot of people like, for example, Camilla, she's amazing. Like so confident and not that oh, you know so the goat yeah <laughs> she's the best yes as well. <laughs> of course always by the way you said that you're confident in front of the camera i saw you did a fundraising for the earthquake in turkey a few years ago yeah. and you were in the camera you're like killing it girl again like i was like what am i thinking they thought it was a bit off guard they did they would ask me questions and I was not prepared, and I didn't know they were going to be there as well. Um, I think they came from Getty Images, I think. Yes. Um, yeah, we did a small interview with them. So nice. I didn't even know what I said half of the time. When it was over, I was like shaking. I think that was one of my first sort of um, being in front of a camera about my business. Mm. It was, yeah, I didn't even listen. Like, I didn't even hear why. Like, they sent me the videos afterwards. I did not check them out. I can't hear myself because I know I'm, I, if I listen, I'm just going to cringe and yeah. I, I didn't listen at the end of it. See, this, <laughs> you're such, there. what I don't understand is like, you take these beautiful photos of yourself in, you know, provocative poses and provocative clothing. Like, yo, people see this thing, you know that. 
Like, what's the difference? I don't different. understand. <laughs> but they don't hear me. They don't hear my voice. They don't. You know, I think I also think like, obviously, being an immigrant, mm. like I just felt like I have an accent, and I tried so hard to get rid of it. Like I studied a lot, um, just being able to speak proper English and stuff. But I still feel like. I have that thing, like the accent in me, and I feel like people are just judging me. I don't know why I feel that way. I think that's just, like, look-wise, I'm confident. Like, I, I can, it's fine. But when I start to speak, it's just like, no. I'm, what I'm like, are you talking about? I don't understand <laughs> you. You don't, you're not making any, I love your accent. It's beautiful. And whatever oh, that comes, whatever that, let's say there's a word that you're going to say in a, in that, that, Accent's gonna come out. Don't think of it as a accent. It's think of it as a spice. That's your spice. Sure, that's a good way of thinking. I was the same thing when I moved here. I I talk about this in ad nauseum, but uh, quickly, like when I moved here, you know, I had an accent. I tried to get rid of it, and then some of my friends are like, "Yo, what are you doing? Like, you don't talk like this. You talk. You're speaking weird." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I can, I can still speak, quote unquote, the Canadian way." But I always have these words that I'm like, when I'm hitting that, I'm putting extra spice on that. I promise you that, you know? Yeah. There's always these words that, it, that even for me, I'm like, I can't, I can't pronounce. It's just how it's going to come out. So, yeah. And yeah, I think it's that just that, like, the confidence is there in terms of, like, the look, I guess, the appearance, but just verbally. I'm not as confident. I don't know. <laughs> you, I still don't understand say, you. You don't make sense because you have you have this beautiful <laughs> accent. You speak well. Thank you. Thank you. Speaking of accent and spice, I know you're a Kurdish. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Like, uh, were you born in Kurdish Kurdistan or which part? I'm. I'm. I was born and raised in Turkey. Um, mm. I came to London when I was 13 years old. And yeah, my background is Kurdish, so there's a big community in Turkey. Um, and there's a big Kurdish community in Turkey as well. I think it's 20 percent if I'm not wrong. Um, yeah, Kurdish people live along Kurdish people, and my parents were one of them. And um, yeah, we decided to move to London um, because a lot of my family uh, is in London. So they thought my, my parents thought it would be a better opportunity like in terms of education for you know my sister because i i did like struggle um a lot and um, when i was at school because of my name like there were there were a couple of um teachers uh, that was like picking on me for my name and for my background why and you can see that because i don't know like there's, there's always a conflict between Turkish and Kurdish people. Like, if I, I don't think it's as bad as it is now. I don't know, because I haven't been to Turkey for a long time. But the city I was in was, um, I guess, because, yeah, my name my name is really obvious. Like, it just gives out that I'm Kurdish. So mm-hmm. I, did, I did get a couple of teachers um, well, picking on me. And even some friends, like, you can tell, like, they just, they just know. And that's usually sometimes their parents are directly with Mm-hmm. How did your family end up in Turkey, and why? Um, it's it's a long story. I don't really know exactly, but it, it's coming from like um, my grandparents. So yeah, it would be 
living in Turkey for hundreds of years, I think. So mm. a long, long story. Yeah. 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 I know there is like kind of like a part of Kurdistan is under Iraq and then the, a part of it is Iran. Is there mm-hmm. a prejudice between the two groups that's from Iraq and from Iran kind of? Like in terms of culture or because yeah. um, I think Kurdish and like it, it, um, it's very abroad. Like we had like six Kurdish dialects. And then the culture is also different as well. Like, um, for example, we celebrate Nevrod, um, mm. it's a spring celebration. Yeah. And for example, Persians celebrate it differently than, um, you know, people in Iran. So it's, 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 it's similar, but it, I think the culture is um, sometimes different and the language as well different. Like, Mabazi, he's Belda, so it speaks Mabazi, but there's also, um, the actual Qumranji and Sarani, so there's like loads of dialects. So um, that's also interesting as well because um, they never taught us um, Kurdish. Um, Why? My parents. It's, it's the same reason because you're not, you don't really speak Kurdish in Turkey. You can only speak Turkish. Like they don't uh. really like it when you say I'm Kurdish um, or when you speak another language um, besides Turkish. They just, they just want, like you, that's what you learn. In hmm. So my my parents really didn't, and even like I'm trying to learn now, but then what do I learn? Because there's so many dialects and people <laughs> like all of them are really beautiful. But they, how, which one do I do I learn my dad and speak um with my dad, or do I learn um uh, and or or like if I speak that, then some of our friends are speak foreign, so. What, what, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> well, you start but, with the one that yeah. you, that makes so much sense to you. I would, I would say, start with your dad's language because at least you're gonna have the connection with dad. Yeah, even my dad said like, like he he forgets the language because he hasn't been speaking for like mm-hmm. so long. So that was my dad's um, mother tongue. So he he used to speak Kurdish only, and then they start to school and they're like, you need to learn Turkish. Forget Kurdish. So they took him a car dish and then he moved to the city from the village. Hmm. And yeah, he barely spoke the language. And hmm. yeah, he's like, I, I'm actually forgetting my own language. I'm like, no, no, this is horrible. Why you will forget. This is true. Yeah. And I, I just don't like that. I, I want that. I want the language to be able to like pass on to um, me and to my kids. You know? hmm. um, yeah. So you're right. Maybe I should start with my dad. But. Yeah, because that, that's your people. So that's the that's the language of your people, you know. But yeah, you're hundred percent about like forgetting. Like I speak Tagalog. That's my dialect from the Philippines. We have a hundred plus dialect, but Tagalog's like one of the main one, right? And dude, sometimes I'm talking to my family and I'm like, "What's that word for that thing?" And I like blank. And then the best part is that what I, I like about it though is when I meet someone from my town or from my area and speaks that sa- certain dialect, and they'll say a word that I haven't heard in a while. It's like <laughs> finding a fruit that I haven't eaten in a while, and then I'm eating it, and it's like, oh yeah, I love this fruit. It's so sweet. That's how I feel. Like oh yeah, I love that word. You know. But yeah, yeah. I would suggest like start with that because at least you're gonna yeah. have the connection with that. I've heard this uh, theory about, 
I don't know if I agree with this 100%, but I feel like there are some immigrants that they have their own dialect. And then they have, like you, you're, well, you're first generation, but really you're second generation kind of, right? Like right. you could never understand your parent because he speaks a different language and that's the real form of him. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, it's actually true. You said you don't agree with it. Mm, uh, not so much because if that person is able to speak in a certain language, like me, I could speak to my fa to my kids in English. However, there are some. The only thing that I cannot explain to them is the humor. That's the hard part because you know we have a Filipino humor, sometimes silly, and I love it because it's so silly and dumb. That I can never translate it to my kids because they'll never understand the humor. You cannot tra understand translate humor unless someone understands the humor. Yeah. Even if you try to explain, it's just not the same. No. And it's a waste of time, you know? They'll be like, yeah. that's not funny. I'm like, yeah, but if you understand Kurds, you'll, you'll find it funny, you know? Yeah, exactly. Growing up in Turkey, how are you guys social, economic? I know there's a prejudice. Were you guys doing well? It was that mom and dad had a business? Um, my, my dad's uh, job um got bankrupt Bro. and so yeah um that's i think that's also another reason because he didn't have a job and it was difficult for him to get a job um and my mum was um she was working at the hospital doing like um like a receptionist sort of thing um and a really well established hospital but it was just my mum working for for a bit, and I think that was the a break point as well for us to come here as well because it was just becoming very difficult, even for my dad. Like I think he was quite like depressed in that way. He was like, "I don't have a job. My kids are not happy, and um, yeah, only mum's working." So yeah, we just packed everything. But to be honest, it wasn't that less packing leave. It took about three, four years <laughs> to get the visa and everything. So, um, meanwhile, yeah, my my dad was still searching for a job, and my mom was working. So my mom was actually like, the only one who was working. That must be hard for dad. Yeah, imagine like because you know being a man. Home. Yeah, exactly. You're literally the backbone of the house, and yeah. you feel like you're not enough. You know, you're not working, you're not contributing to the family, so you must felt like that. Mm. But yeah, so they 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 were like, okay, let's just you know save our kids, save ourselves, and go to London. Shout out to mom, by the way, like carrying the weight. You know, you're like, yeah. yo, get on my shoulder. We're going to promised land. Yeah, literally. Yeah, she's 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 usually the she's more more of a the main. Um, character, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like my dad is usually calm and laid back, and my mom <laughs> is the one who makes the decisions in the house, and she will say yes or no. Mm. Mm. Even now. Even now. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. You moved when you were fourteen. You're like preteen, man. You're trying to find your way. You're trying to find yourself, and then here mm -hmm. we are. New world, new things. Mm -hmm. How was that? Yeah. It was actually really difficult because um, 
yeah, like I'm aware of everything. I'm self-conscious about myself and I know I'm growing up and, you know, I have my friends now and everything. And you live in your hometown, you live in your house, everything that has value, like sentimental value to you. You leave everything and then you come to this like foreign country and you don't know anything. Bear in mind, um, my mum couldn't come to the UK. So we came here with my dad and my sister, three of us. And then, yeah, there was a complication with her visa. So it took five years for her to come. So I was, we, yeah, we didn't grow up with my mom basically for five years. Five years, so no mom. It was mom. really difficult. Yeah. Holy like, garbage. It was so bad. And um, yeah, you're just becoming a teenager now. And the, the, the most important person you need is your mom. You know, you, you want to be able to talk about things. Hmm. Um, yeah, luckily we had like my aunties, like, they had two aunties and they took care of us, which I'm really grateful for. But it's not the same because, yeah, the first couple of years I struggled like really bad because I don't know the language and I'm going to the school. I started in year eight, but it's just, I don't know anything. I just sit there and I just want to cry. Like, I don't know what's going on. It's, it's just all like, so all new to me and I'm trying to understand like everything it's so difficult because I, I started in year eight and my, my sister was in year six so she was in a primary school and I was in secondary school so we were in different schools as well so I didn't even have her to sort of have a support with me it was, but it took so long for me to be able to adjust um, and make friends and obviously like when you're a kid there's as mean kids like you get bullied as well um for not being able to speak the language or when you start to speak and learn um they pick on you again because you can't say the word correctly or you don't make sense so I was like again really shy and quiet (laughs) really like introvert I didn't speak at all um for a year I remember like on my breaks like when we had lunch breaks and stuff I used to just go to the toilet and just sit there. Like, I know it's it's it was it was really difficult. <laughs> it was bad. You just sit in the toilet <laughs> the whole time. Huh? You sit in the toilet the whole time because you don't want to chill with nobody. Yeah, because I didn't have anyone. Because mm. it's it's difficult. Like, who do I speak to? Who do I talk to? Where do I go? So I just thought it would just be safer if I just go to the toilet and just there be on my own and it was so sad and I mean, it was like really sad <laughs> so, now, yeah I've done that for a month like for a month isn't that like a week or two <laughs> no no until I got used to it and then yeah then you start having friends yeah okay this is a good question for that if you can turn back time and see that little girl sitting on the tile by herself what would you tell her? I would just make sure that everything is going to be fine. Everything is going to be worth it. So I would just say, hang on there, you little one. And um, just be patient. And yeah, I'll just give her a little hug. And make, I'll tell her to make sure that it's, it's all going to work out. It's all going to be worth it. So that's what I would say. Yeah, that's beautiful. I know, like, you know, being a kid... That's all you want. You just want someone to tell you, everything's going to be okay, dude. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. Everything's mm-hmm. going to be okay. 
of course, your situation is so different because, you know, you don't have a friend. You don't understand what's happening. Mom's not even there. I'm pretty sure dad's working hard. Yeah. Thankfully, you have family there. My God, man. Hey, props to you, man. How about your sister? When you guys get home, do you guys talk about like what happened? How you guys coping? Or it was just like, dude, I have my own shit. You do. You deal with your own shit. To be honest, like my sister was living with my other auntie because um, her, like my auntie's kids were going to the same primary school. So I didn't even get to see my sister. So I was staying with my other auntie because it was my school was closer to her house. So I wasn't even like I didn't I was not even in contact with my dad properly. It was just like he used to come on the weekends and take us out and like you know he was he literally he was the most sort of dad. He still was the most sort of dad ever. Like he would make sure we laugh, would cheer up, he would just like play with us and you know trying to make us laugh and give some energy to us. But no, I wasn't having anything. I wasn't having like any at all I was like no and I, I want my mom <laughs> no, for a while it was it was like I think like I'm the oldest and I'm more emotional and I'm more like I'm more of a I'm the immature one I guess and my sister is more like she's more um mature and she will she will tell me off she'll be like Stop acting like a kid. <laughs> Get your things together. <laughs> uh, yeah, because you're an artist. That's what artists are. Very emotional. Yeah, yeah like it's it, that's how it is. We're very in tune to this emotion, and we focus on emotion. And of course, it's a curse and a gift because that mm. that emotion and that's being in touch with with I guess the supernatural allows us to create beautiful things. However, it also brings that. You know the dark side. Yeah, but to be honest, you do need that dark side. Even as an artist, I think you need that dark side to be able to express and to be able to create. I, I think like that's mm. how I see it. That's how I feel it. Like, yeah, I think we need that. A hundred percent. Like, I used to write a lot, and I always say that I'm very prolific when it's winter and I'm sad, and I'm like I write beautiful stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think I feel the same as well. Um, I studied art um, in college, and I, like, if I'm in a bad mood, I make the most like beautiful pieces. Just, like, <laughs> get angry and get aggressive, and it's like, oh, I love this because I, I was also doing abstract painting for a while. So, like, yeah, like it's, it's the way I express myself, like the anger or like, whatever I'm feeling, is just like onto the paper, and it looks so good. And even, even my like tutors are like loving mm. it. But when I'm in a happy mood, it's just it's not there. Like I need some sort of like I need some I need to hang on to something to be able to like express and create. But yeah. Also I saw that you volunteered in uh, Poland to be an English mentor. What made you and, think uh, that? How do you know all of this? Don't <laughs> this worry crazy. about it, dude. <laughs> yeah, um well, thank you for doing your work really well i appreciate that you actually uh, know a lot about myself. <laughs> um so yeah i did uh i i don't know I, i'm just interested in traveling in general and anyway, so i was looking at schemes that i could do um and then this came out uh it was um it was like a so you give a uh you teach english and everything was paid uh it, it was in a really nice hotel in Poland and I was like this is great I want to be able to teach English even though 
I don't speak their language so well. <laughs> I'm going to do it. <laughs> but this time you didn't sit in the toilet, right? You actually... No. <laughs> but you know what? I was, I was, again, I was really shy and I was like, how am I, how am I going to like teach someone? And it's not even my first language, but it, it was more of a fun thing. Like, um, it was for like, yeah, from year, uh, 14 years old till 17, 18. So it was mostly teenagers and, um, it was like a summer camp, camp for them. So, um, yeah, they were just having fun. And most of them knew how to speak uh, the language. So I just had to go and speak with them and have a little holiday, which was amazing. Like, I met amazing people from there. And yeah, uh, yeah, it was just to teach English and to have a sort of experience um, and travel, basically. I kind of wanted to do that more, but then COVID hit. And yeah, because I was going to actually go Africa um for like three months uh volunteering for like they would they give you a um some like you know someone who lives there uh, you you stay with them for three months and you help the community like you go to schools educate them or if they need any like uh, agricultural help you go to the farm and you agriculture oh i love I, I i love nature like i mm. i can live in a farm and not complain so i was like this is perfect for me and i love helping people out in general so but then yeah covid happened and i had to like, got cancelled so yeah i'm <laughs> still in london <laughs> you got stuck in <laughs> dreary london yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah i can't really is that is that covid was the reason why you started roj flora studio what were you doing before that? So I was studying. Um, so my, my plan was to finish uni and then go traveling. So Africa was one um, go to. Basically, everything was set and like everything was ready. Um, but that didn't happen and then COVID hit. So it, I didn't, I studied interior design um, and uh, there was no jobs. No offices were open. No one was hiring. I was like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I just decided to open my own business. Um, I was working. I did like a small work for this um, event company, which they were doing like wedding, weddings and like celebration or like decorational backdrops and stuff for like events. Obviously, like during COVID, weddings were not allowed. It was bad <laughs> as well. But a couple of people were doing it uh basically like of engagements course. and stuff like really small ones so i was like working for um it was, again that was a small business with just two girls they were really nice so and i was like i really like this like i really like working with flowers and you know being part of someone's really special day like they're going to remember this for the rest of their life and i'm, I'm part of it and that's something really beautiful like you know it's contributing to their most important day so yeah, I just thought I'll just ditch interior design <laughs> and just focus on flowers. And it's something you know, flowers. It just makes me happy in general. Like just being around with colours and the smells. It's, it's much better than sitting on a computer drawing up a plan for like hours and hours. I'm <laughs> like, this is not for me. I can't do this. And I always knew, like, I always knew that I wanted to be my own boss. Like I mm. just knew it from the beginning. I can't work for someone else. I'd rather have no money but at least work for myself rather than be a slave for someone else because they make money and I get 
I get the least when I do the most. And I hate that. I just hate that system. So I just thought, I'll make my own. <laughs> well said. True businesswoman, eh? <laughs> but, I don't know. <laughs> by the way, interior design, how did you sell that to mom? That you're going to do interior designing? To be honest, they were okay because, um, like, I've always, I've literally, my GCSEs, I've picked art. Um, for college, I picked art as well. Um, I wanted to do architecture actually, but then I realized it's seven years. I'm like, I'm not doing seven years of this. So um, I told my parents, like, I was going to do architecture, but interior design is something um, similar, but it's just a, um, more of a, um, you do the interiors rather than the whole experience building. So you accommodate for other people. Um, so they were fine. Like, okay. As long as you're gonna be happy, as long as you're gonna basically uh, make money and be happy for yourself, and they're like, okay, do it. So they were they were fine with it. That's beautiful. And then you decided to do start the Roj Floral Studio. By the way, what's Roj means? Does it mean something? Uh, in Kurdish, it means the sun. Mm. Um, also, the sun is a big representation for the Kurdish community because it's in the flag. Mm-hmm. And also, sun is quite important for flowers. And I mean, we do dried flowers as well, so we need the sun to dry the flowers. And also, the sun is the main food for the flowers. So, I just went with the name Raj. I love that. So clever. <laughs> but not not many people know it. I love it. I also love the logo. Thank you. That you made is so. It's so simple, but it's just, especially now you're telling me the, the story behind it. Like it's just, it's well done, dude. Thank you. Thank you so much. I actually drew it myself, and then I got the graphic designer to sketch over it because I wanted to do my like, drawing. So mm. I did like five sketches of the sun, and then I picked one. And then I get, uh, send it to her, and then she scanned it and redraw over it, basically. Mm-hmm. I saw that it's from a tattoo of the women. It's called DEC or DEQ. Yeah, I actually have one as well. Oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah. How do you pronounce it properly? It's called deck. Deck, okay. I read that they use breast milk? Yes, correct. Yo, that's messed up, man, but I love I it. No, it isn't messed up. It's basically uh, when a woman gives birth for the first time, they take the uh, first, basically, milk out of it, and then they mix it with um, some sort of... Um, like um, ink, basically powder ink, and then they place it onto uh, the skin. I think it kind of like represents uh, again femininity, the power. Because the tattoos, they used to do it as a way of um, like a beauty sort of trend, but also to show like um, yeah, it's just it basically represents the um, feminine feminine um, power basically. So. Yeah, I find it so interesting that they use the mother's milk. I actually want to get the original one. I want to go to Turkey. Uh, I think they do it in Van, one of the cities. Uh, yeah, I, I know a couple of people. I follow a couple of people that do it. I actually want to go and get it. That would be cool, man. Yeah, most people get it on their faces like um, before. Mm. Um, I actually do. I, I used to draw like uh, the tattoos on my face just to draw it 
and I wanted a tattoo of it but I'm like it's on my face it's gonna be there for a long time do I actually want to like see it every day like I was I, I don't think I was prepared for it even though I still want it but I was like I'll just keep on drawing it um just because if I get bored or if anything happens I'd yeah. just rather not that's your face dude there's no yeah. tissue for your face <laughs> Yeah, I actually went to the tattoo shop to get it on my face and then I called my sister. I'm like, look, I'm getting a tattoo. And she's like, you're not going to get a job. <laughs> if you're planning to get a job with this face, like, forget it. So I was like, okay, let me get it on my, uh, on my wrist then. So I just ended up having them. But now you don't have a job, but you have a business of your own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now I can get it, you know. Now yeah. I guess it's... Because. But then I know your sister's going to say, like, well, you know, some people might say they won't work with you because you have a tattoo on your face. I don't know. I think my mom, my mom will be like, get out of the house. My, you know, mom's going to kill you. <laughs> I did me, not 100%. sacrifice myself for you to have a tattoo on your face. On your face? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it will be too much for her. So I, yeah. I wouldn't want to. How about men? Do they have tattoos too or only for women? Yeah. It was it was rare for men, uh, but they, they actually they did have um, mm. they used to get tattoos as well. But it was more for females. Mm. Where did you learn how to decorate the flowers? Like everyone can put flowers together, but you do it like the extra oomph, you know? Do you think? Oh, that makes me happy. Thank you. I'm just self-taught, really. Um, like I don't. I'm not a person to actually sit down and watch even videos to learn stuff as well because I've got I'm dyslexic and I've got ADHD so I can't sit down and learn um so I literally just taught myself without any knowledge um yeah that's literally how I I I don't know I guess I have the eye for it because again I think having the art and design background helps me to sort of be a bit more different and have that uniqueness I guess so yeah. um, that's how I see it. I don't know if people agree with that, but yeah. Uh, no, it, it makes sense. If you do have the eye for colors and designs, it's pretty much mm-hmm. an easy transition. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're a good painter or you can see that there's like, okay, oh, red goes with this color or this shape goes with this shape. Yeah, that's true. Every business goal is to make profit. and But since you're proud, Kurd, do you have an underlying goal for your business? Uh, what do you mean? Like, you know how, like, I saw you saying that you're a proud Kurd and you want to represent the Kurdish culture, that you, mm-hmm. that Kurdish actually can do things. How are you propagating that? How are you making sure that people sees that? I think just, just literally introducing myself of who I am and also, uh, you know, our culture is so rich, especially for wet, like weddings and stuff like the dresses that we wear or the uh, dances we do or the instruments we play it's just so rich and if I can show it to people like if I can it, at least teach one person that this is what we do and if one person is interested and if that person learns from my culture I'm, I'm happy like I can sleep with them that's literally what I want and just me saying I'm Kurdish they're like oh wow interesting you know some people know some people don't know and me being able to say that and me being able to show that through like my food or my art or like what I do uh, with my business I'm really happy like me just saying that is already like helping a lot of um, people who are not aware of like 
and curds in general. I have another tattoo actually on my uh, my foot. It's a um, myth, mythological uh, story of a snake woman. It's called Shahmaran. Um, again, that represents like feminine, feminine power, feminine power, and. Um, but anyway, I drew it myself because I wanted to have a bit of a modern sort of thing. I think you can see on my personal Instagram one of the pictures that I have. So yeah, like me, even like people are like, oh, what is it? I'm like, it's like a cabbage mythology. And I start to talk about it and that's already, you know, teaching them something. And then I go on and talk about my business. I'm like, yeah, my my business also represents like who I am, where I'm coming from. So with those kind of small bits, like I, I don't think I, because obviously, uh, flowers and Kurdish it's not a massive like connection there but I'm doing it in my way like just me saying I'm Kurdish me saying like this is what I do and this is how I sort of communicate um I guess that helps it's not a massive like thing to connect but if I can do it even tiny a bit I'm, I'm proud basically mm-hmm. have you always been proud Kurdish though yeah yeah. When I was yeah, when I was little though, like obviously again it was a bit difficult. I was like, Why am I standing out more? Why why is my name getting picked up on and stuff? So I think in Turkey it wasn't I wasn't I guess I was just lost because I didn't know my identity. I didn't know where I'm coming from. But the more I learned, especially coming here, the more I learned, the more I like heard my dad's stories and people's stories and stuff I think it made me fell in love and I'm like more people should know and yeah I just mm-hmm. thought I'll do something to be able to teach someone about yeah. my I speaking of that fundraiser that we talked about earlier the mm-hmm. clothes app I don't know how to say it like Seva Mexerej I'm sorry yeah. say it I can't say it as well because <laughs> I don't speak a language <laughs> This but you so practice. <laughs> hey, between the two of us, you're gonna hit it closer. You know what I'm saying? No, not no, even. I'm gonna try. <laughs> All right, it's like a, it's a apple that you put cloves. Yeah. Who, who thought of this and what's the idea? Uh, so it, it was a symbol of like giving love because it takes uh, such a long time to make and it mm. smells so good and the smell never fades. Like I have it in my bedroom and yeah, every every morning I wake up I can smell it so um it's it's yeah it's a way of um so I'm giving this to you this took so long and it's gonna last hundreds of years like my love to you so it was like people used to give it to their love or your their friends or their family just to say that my love is gonna last hundreds of years to you and and the, the amount of effort I put into this is like shows how much I love you basically and we thought of doing it for um, like in a Valentine hmm. theme. Uh, we actually thought of this like way before the earthquake. So um, we thought it would be fun to um, tell people what it is. Uh, but obviously, when the earthquake happened, we thought, what do we do? Like, should we still do it? And then we thought, let's just still do it, but um, just um, basically donate it. And people actually appreciate it because I was again worried. I was like, "What? What if people get the wrong idea? Like, oh, we're just like having fun and you know doing bits where people are like laughing." But it was not the case. We were literally actually doing something to help them, and I was so mm-hmm. proud of, you know, of that. Um, 
and the idea behind it again is like so beautiful and so what I did was usually it's just the apple in the club and um what I did was I put my flowers on top of it just yeah. to give that touch to it it's something different like adding the flowers yeah, yeah. so yeah that was a nice uh, touch that we thought yeah I love that you say that it takes long a long time to cover it with the club I'm like yo girl I love you and that's enough I'm not doing the clothes okay <laughs> Yeah, no, I think if you were in a workshop, I would probably like, because most people want to cheat and they're like, they do the front and they're like, when it comes to the back, they're like, can we just get, no, <laughs> sit down <laughs> with me and you're doing, I'm watching you. Like, no, I wouldn't have let you go like that. No. I'm like, yo, girl, I'm going to give you 100, 100 pounds. Give me the flowers. I'm not doing the clothes. No, but there's something there's something really nice about like when you put effort into this and when you mm. think about the person that you're going to give it to, it's just like, it makes the whole experience nicer and you feel more happier. You're like, oh my God, I'm putting so much effort into this and I'm going to give it to that person and the expression or the emotions that they're going to get from what I made is like incredible. So it's worth seeing. So stop being lazy. <laughs> hey, she better be appreciated, man. It takes a while to put the story close, man. Yeah, I think we were there about three hours, if I'm not wrong, maybe more. Three hours for the apple? Yeah, if I'm not wrong, I don't remember now. But I felt like it was three hours. I was just there, like, walking around and making sure everyone Holy. was happy. But everyone loved it because everyone was just chatting, everyone was just connecting really nicely. They were like, yeah. you know, Kurdish people, Turkish people, like other ethnicities, which was, like, so incredible. So, yeah, it was, it was actually amazing. Yeah, I love that. How did you come up with the floral workshop idea? Um, so, um, my studio is in Hackney Wick, and mm. um, they were giving workshops regularly. So, they used to have a clay workshop and different paints and like other loads of workshops, basically. I'm like, this is quite fun. Like, I like teaching anyway, I like to be able to teach someone. So, mm. I'm like, what can I do? I was looking at ideas to be able to um, teach them because there are like fresh flower bouquet arrangement workshops and stuff like that, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be a bit more different because when you do fresh flowers, it's going to last you for a week and mm. that's it. So mm. you're going to spend so much money and fresh flowers like really expensive. I don't know how much it, um, it's expensive because every time I buy my wife, she's like, hey, don't stop buying. It's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. even here it's really expensive so I'm like it's not worth for someone to spend so much money on learning how to make a bouquet which is going to die in a week so mm. I thought dry flowers are going to last forever if you take care of it well so I was like let me combine that so um, I was like doing products with the dome and the you know, wooden plate so I was like this is a great way for me to teach people like it's a nice idea and it's different as well and it's mm. more affordable for people to come and join so Yeah, I've done quite a lot. Like I've done bridal, um, like Hindu parties, and I've got birthday. I've done birthdays and stuff. Now I go to companies, for example, because for their um, health being, they do like events and workshops in the UK just to keep people like staying in the company. <laughs> so um, give them money. Yeah, that's I, how it's gonna stay. <laughs> true, just give them more money and they'll be happy. Hmm. But yeah, I think uh, like that's something that, that it's been going on around for a bit so I contacted a couple of companies and they were happy to like um, take me in for a workshop so now I go to that companies and give them workshops 
Mm. Wow. Uh, it's Beautiful. interesting. <laughs> I, love, I, I love it. I love that idea. Like you said earlier, that, that you know, they're converse, conversing, getting to know each other more while they're creating this beautiful artwork. Mm-hmm. By the way, how do you dry the flowers? Do you use chemical or just natural? Natural. Um, so when I do like wedding bouquets, I, I try to do it and be sustainable. But everything I have, um, every flower or every sort of thing I get, try to reuse it. So um, when I get fresh flowers, uh, like fresh flower order for a wedding, the bouquet, any leftovers, I just um, hang them upside down. I've got a, in my studio, I've got a ceiling. I made like an installation on my ceiling. I just hang them on the ceiling upside down and they just dry up and then I use them for my workshop. So, um, yeah, that's how it is. Sometimes I buy them from a supplier. Um, some of the colours are more distinct and like they get bleached and then they get dyed. So I don't want to do the process with that. So I just buy them from a supplier. But mainly my flowers are like... Um, dry by me um, with the leftover flowers mm-hmm. or sometimes I just like go to people's gardens and get that flower <laughs> so, so in your studio do you sell flowers there? can people come and buy flowers? yeah yeah. so I've, I've got I've got like two floors in my studio the bottom floor is uh, the shop um, which I don't usually like open it up so I've got curtains to like let people in and tell them show them what I do but I don't do that again because I think I feel a bit shy and like I don't know I just do my own thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't really open my curtains and people don't even know when like I'm there Mm. like when I open the curtains especially like summertime um yeah like I was like oh I'm feeling this so we just open it up and like let people in and see what kind of reactions I get and people are like oh my god interesting it's like a heaven and they love it and yeah I actually um, sold a couple of stuff uh, by just opening the curtains but I don't like I actually sell stuff in there but no one knows that I'm there (laughs) so um, yeah I just feel a bit more like that's my private space like it's my studio that's what I make I don't know if I should actually like open up fully but I actually don't mind like um, yeah when I feel like it it's a massive building uh, Mm -hmm. in my studio so we've got a little bar so I put up dry flowers in front of the bar as well so I can sell very impressive what do you do with the flowers that didn't get by that day do you just dry them mm, so I don't sell fresh flowers on the shop uh, okay. or in my studio basically because of the same reason I don't want anyone anything to go to waste so if someone wants the fresh flower order from me they would have to order it like a week before mm. um for me to make it so that I don't waste anything basically uh, it, because it costs a lot and I don't want to sort of put anything like mm. away so even that's the case I mean I could still dry it up and stuff but I don't want to um, risk um, fresh flowers so I just buy them when I get orders basically mm, okay for the bouquets that you work with um, brides do you suggest the the bouquet or do do they come with an idea and then you create it however they want it? Mm, I usually let them choose because uh, everyone knows what they want sort of unless they're completely lost. But even then they have some ideas of the colours and the shapes. So I just help them. But they usually have an idea of what they want. 
based on what I created before or they just go on Pinterest and show me, can you make this? So I say yes or no. Because sometimes some flowers are seasonal, so I can't really create something that's not in season. It's just going to cost them a lot and it's not really possible. So, um, yeah, other than that, like they show me the picture, I'll make it for you. <laughs> that's it, really. That's <laughs> all you get the money. As well. Huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And also, I offer them the service of like, again, because it's fresh flowers, you're going to have it on, because most of them want fresh flowers. And I don't want that to go to waste. Um, like, you ha- you're going to have it for like six, seven hours. You're going to throw that away. And do not throw it away. Give it to me. I'm going to dry it. And then I'm going to put it in a dome for you. And you're going to put it in your house. And you're going to keep the memories of your wedding day forever, basically, in the corner of your house. So... That's something I offer as a package as well, and they get a discount from it, which they love as well. Like, they're like, oh, this is such a good idea. I want this. So, yeah. yeah. It's a great idea. And especially when you're getting into a fight with your husband, you can pick it up and throw it at him. <laughs> 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 do not yeah, do that, that please. Be... I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, and then they're messing They're like, sorry, I just threw this at my uh, husband's head. <laughs> can we make another one? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that would be interesting. You kind of mentioned this just now. What if the bride or a client wants a flower that is very specific, like it's from their country or it's from their culture? What do you do? Do you find a way or you're like, yo, that's not going to happen? Um, I'll definitely find a way. Like, I wouldn't just say, no, it's not going to happen. I'll definitely, like, I'll be like, give me a moment. Let me just search and see what I can do. I'll let them know that, you know, these are the possibilities and it might not happen, but I'm going to try my best. Like, I don't, I hate saying most people straight away. Like, I always try to make them happy. So I would definitely, like, look out, see what I can do. If it's something that um, I can get it delivered, um, I'll let them know. And I'll let them know the prices uh, that it will come with and why it will be that price. If they're happy with it, we can make it happen. If it's not possible, I would always give them the options. Like, look, you've got this and this and this and this. Um, we could do this instead. Mm. If they're happy with it, they're happy with it. If they're not, I'm happy for them to like go to someone else and you know check their prices out and check what they say. So I'm um, okay with. I always tell them this as well. Like, take your time with it. And when you're ready, come back to me. When you know, if you want to change your mind, that's completely okay as well. So I like to make them feel comfortable because it's a stressful thing to be a bride. So yeah. Yeah. Speaking of bride, do you know the history of throwing the bouquet? The tough thing. Yeah. Why do they throw the bouquet? You don't know. <laughs> Anyways, forget about that. But I, I saw you. That, you know when. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, so basically when you throw it, I don't know the story, so I don't want to give them wrong information, but mm. for us, it means when you when the person who gets the bouquet means that it's their luck, they're going to be the next one to get married, basically. So it's sort of a um, prediction to know who's going to be next. And people are like, love that, if that makes sense, because they're like, if I catch it, if, it's, if it lands on me, then it means it's supposed to be for me. Well, I saw you caught one, so what's going on? I made that bouquet. That's for my cousin, actually. So I made I made a bouquet. I I didn't catch it. Actually. Do you know what? It fell on the floor, and I was like, "This can't be on the floor." <laughs> like I made this. <laughs> I put so much effort. So I ran and I picked it up. And they're like, "No, no, no!" Like, yeah, look, everyone like you can even see it on the pictures. Everyone's like, like pointing fingers. I'm like, "No, no, no!" <laughs> so she had to go again. And guys, just guys being guys. Um, yeah, they just jumped on everyone. And, well, I think it was one of the guys who caught it. So I, think, I guess that's his turn next. Mm. 
Mm. But yeah, it was. I hate that shit. <laughs> I, I hate the throwing of the bouquet. To be honest, <laughs> when I go, yeah, mm-hmm. I just don't like it. And like, ah, uh, do the thing. I find it. Then whip, some women are get gets too aggressive <laughs> over it. Come on, man. That guy is not gonna marry you if they're not gonna marry you. You know, the bouquet mm-hmm. is not gonna be the clincher. That's true. I guess it's just a fun thing to do, but it's it's scary to be on the other side trying to hold the bouquet because. Especially if there's men, they just get really aggressive and they push you. And like, oh no! <laughs> so, that's that's. I don't funny. know why men are more desperate than uh, women to catch the bouquet, but that's one of the story. <laughs> Wait, what? There's men that tra- catches the bouquet? Yeah, I've seen men also trying to catch the bouquet. I guess for their girls. I don't know. Like they catch and they give it to the girls. Something. Not here. We don't do that here. Really? I've, I've never seen, seen that. Really? Yeah. I mean, if you're, you know, gay, yeah, sure. And you want to get married, I, hey, go have fun. I don't care. But not here. Like, we've never seen that before. I, I mean, maybe in here, maybe it's not really common, but I've seen, I've seen actually like yeah, videos and pictures of people trying to catch, men trying to catch the word and bouquet. Brits, yeah. man, they're weird. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, <laughs> my comment. <laughs> okay, well, flower is not really sustainable, right? Have you had some comments, people saying like, oh, I don't want to buy flowers or whatever because it's not sustainable? Um, yeah, I mean, that's why I do dried flowers because it's sustainable and it's going to last you longer. So I, I'm like, if you want to just literally like, I don't really like when people buy um, flowers as a gift for someone. I'm like, look, Forget the fresh ones. Let's put it in a dome. It's gonna like it's gonna be a forever flower for them, you know, for the person that you've given it to, and they can have it as a home decoration. But I guess people are like used to the um sort of the culture of just giving flowers in general, which is beautiful. Like I don't, I I'm a, I I love getting flowers, receiving flowers as well. But if you think about it, like I always give them the first option. Like, look, there's a dried. Uh, version of it which is in a dome that they can get to, get to keep in their you know home as a home decoration for like forever and they're going to remember you longer than a fresh bouquet that's going to die in a week so I always give them that option but if they say look I still want the fresh flowers and obviously I still go with whatever they want but I always try to give them the sustainable one first um, because most people don't know like if I don't tell them they're not going to know that I do this so I'd rather let it out and give them the reason why it's more sustainable and why it's better. But if they still want to go with the fresh, that's also totally fine. But at least I'm at the most. Have you thought of creating like mini ones or like medium ones and sell them online? Yeah, I've, I've actually got different sizes. Um, I was also doing markets during summer. When, mm. I mean, I said we're still in summer, but the weather is really bad in here. So I feel like my mind thinks it's not in summer anymore. <laughs> but yeah, so in, in the beginning of summer, I was doing markets. Mm. Uh, I was selling my products there as well. Um, I was selling pots and plants and the domes that I made, which it, it comes in different um, sizes. Mm. So yeah, I, I, I don't sell them on online like Etsy or you know online or on my own website um mm-hmm. i don't know why i feel like it's just my brain is not ready like i feel like it's 
it feels so long to open an Etsy account and trying to work out what it is and trying to work out the postage, the packaging and this and that. And I don't know, my brain is not letting me pick that option, like online option. I feel like I need someone to do it for me and then I'll just make the product. So, yeah, I'm not selling on online, but um, yeah, I've done markets and I sell it on my Instagram page, basically. Spoken like a true artist. Like, you like creating art. You don't want the business part, like the hard part. Yeah, because I really, I genuinely, like, um, don't understand business in general. Like, I can create whatever you want, but when it comes to running the actual business of the finance bit or doing the Instagram or doing, like, online orders and, like, paperwork, hmm. you know, like, I don't know anything. It's like nothing. I'm just learning as I go. So, yeah, yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> it, it takes time. I think we're there. Yeah. It's been such a pleasure having a conversation with you. Before we close out, do you have any last mm-hmm. remark? Um, I just want to say to everyone that they should um, follow their dreams and they should take the risk because we're only going to live once. And if they have an aim or a purpose in life, they shouldn't wait for any sort of time like, oh, um, I'll do it next year. I'll do it when I'm this age or I'll do it when this time comes. They should do it when they need to, like when they feel like they're ready for it. They should just go for it. And um, being happier is more important than like being rich to me. Um, so I feel like just follow your dreams and take the risk. Mm, I love that. Beautiful. Well said. Before we close out, if you want to say your Instagram account again and whatever else mm-hmm. you got, Take your time. Okay. Um, yeah. Also, if you want to um, follow me and support me um, again, you can follow my Instagram at Rosh Floor Studios. Um, and if you have any questions or if you want to ask me anything, you can DM me on Instagram. I'm happy to help. Um, it, it doesn't even have to be about flowers. It, it could be anything really, like if you want any sort of um like opinions on like how to run your own business or how to sort of start up a business or just uh, how to gain confidence not that I am but <laughs> in business I'm, I'm happy to help I'm happy to sort of um, give the support that they need so if, if someone's just looking for them in general like just hmm. if you're bored message me I'm happy to help everyone um and thank you so much for having me today it's been a pleasure and it was so nice meeting you yes <laughs> For sure. Again, Vervan, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much as well. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you again, Vervan, for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Aaron Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.